Welcome to Guys We Fuck. The Anti-Slut Shaming Podcast. Yo, you haven't said I'm Christina Hutchinson. I'm Corinne Fisher. And I'm Fuck your boyfriend. Bring us your slutty, your horny, and your shame. Hey, you a slut? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about fucking. Hey, fuckers, how you doing? You all right? You're here. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the Anti-Slut Shaming Podcast. I'm Corinne Fisher. I'm Christina Hutchinson. Welcome. Our comedy special comes out February 14th, which is a Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash guys we Fucked without the you and fucked. It'll already be out by now. This is, I think, because this will be the 18th. Oh, it's out. Yeah, I hope you watched it. And if you didn't, pause this Guys, and watch it's so, it. Guys, it's so good. It's so I good. I loved it so much. Oh, I was going to say, I was Wait, like, you're lying. You didn't I, see it. No, I there. saw it. It's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I was, a, oh, I, like, I was, oh, because I was like, did you see the cut? Shit, no, how did I you see anything. it? And then I, I was like, oh, you're, you were there live. So you you have actually some knowledge of how it was. Did you watch the set? Yeah, you were out I was selling merch. The whole time? Flirting with all the girls. Yeah. So you didn't see it. Mike didn't see it. He's fucking lying to you. By now, by the time the listeners hear it, I will have seen it. Right. And it's great. Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah, even if Mike didn't like it, he knows that he has to say that. Yeah, so. 100%. <laughs> He's not dumb. He's learned his lesson. Uh, and as always, if you are a Luminary subscriber, we love you so much. And you're getting two bonus episodes of Guys We Fucked a Month where we uh, we take a peek inside the Notorious Inbox. If you want to write us an email, it's sorryaboutlastnightshow at gmail.com. Today's subject line, whose dick do I got to suck to get some dick around here? Cute. Good question. Hi, Corinne and Christina. I could really use some advice. I'm currently playing, oh, typing this email at 3 a.m. while laying next to my sleeping boyfriend, but I can't sleep because honestly, I'm just too goddamn horny to fall asleep. My boyfriend and I, both 28, have been together for a year and a half, and honestly, this is the best relationship I've ever been in, aside from one small thing. He won't have sex with me. Ha- yeah, that's not small. Anyway, he is not asexual. I have asked a lot. <laughs> I'm sure that makes him horny (laughs) (laughs) and has no previous relationship or sexual trauma that he's disclosed. He just doesn't want to fuck like ever. When we first started dating, we fucked a lot, which was, of course, pretty normal. That's not good. And with new relation with new relationships. That's good. That's not good. No, it's not. I was going to say I was hoping that he was just not a sexual person. But I was like, no, no, something's going to rye. Right. To get to the bottom of it. We went multiple times a day for multiple days in a row. And it was so good and so fun every time. About two months in, the amount of sex hit a sharp decline. We live about an hour and a half away from each other, so we only saw each other on the weekends. But on the weekend visits, we'd have sex once, maybe twice. And that's perfectly good. But after a couple more months of that, we'd go the whole weekend without no sex at all. We'd have it maybe once every couple weeks, once a month. Well, now we basically live together since I got a job near his apartment in the city. And there, it, there still isn't an, incredi- uh, an increase in sex. We sleep next to each other almost every night, and it only happens once in a blue moon. This is very much not enough for me. Mm. It's not for lack of trying. I've bought lingerie. I've taken millions of nudes for him. I've planned out sexy nights with intimacy and caring gestures. We shower, toge- we shower together. We sleep naked next to each other. And just nothing. I've brought it up so many times saying, I really want more intimacy with you, and it hurts that you don't want it, too. And he says, I do want it. I just don't think about it that much. 
with you. Okay, right. <laughs> I have no idea what I can possibly do to make him think about it more. He says that he masturbates pretty much every day on the days I'm not here, but he doesn't have sex with me when I am here. I try to be super passionate with him, making out with him and just giving him massages. Trying way too hard. Yeah, seriously. Who are you, me? And he usually uh, just kind of shrugs me off. Oof. That's... I do not... Mm, I don't like him. He's too tired or he's just not in the mood. Sometimes when I initiate, he goes with it. But for almost a year, he hasn't initiated. Oh, girl. I'm at the point where I want to shake him and say, for God's sake, please put your dick in me. Any hole is fine. Mm. Yeah, that'll do it. But that can obviously ruin a moment. I know he feels really bad about it, but not bad enough to make a change. Exactly. Good observation. Uh, I just, also, like, I mean, in his defense, if he's just not sexually interested in in you or in sex for whatever reason, like, it's, you're, you're just not. Nothing you could say will change his yeah. mind. Yeah. I just feel so undesirable. I feel unsexy. I feel unwanted. I feel like his buddy because it's like, yeah. in his mind, I'm a non-sexual being that he hangs out with all the time. Yep. Yeah. So he's, take that away from him. Uh, my confidence is in the shitter. I feel like this needs to be said. I'm pretty hot. When I'm single, I fuck a lot. I get a ton of attention from people, but right now I only want his attention and I don't have it. And that alone makes me feel so terrible about myself. So, I mean, how can you be in the best relationship you've ever been and when you literally Girl. feel terrible about yourself? Yeah. What? This is the exact opposite of what you just said to us. Yeah. He takes care of me in other ways. Emotionally, mentally, he tells me he loves me and he... And I know he means it. I, uh, I've never laughed harder with a partner. He supported me through the toughest moment in my life. And when we do have sex, it's some of the best sex I've ever had. I find him so attractive and he tells me I'm beautiful constantly. So why doesn't he want to have sex more? I don't want to give him an ultimatum. But do you know how many times I've wanted to say, if you're not going to fuck me, someone else will. And I know that's horrible and manipulative and such a mean thing to say to someone that I really genuinely love. But it's honestly true. Yeah, girl, sex is a physiological need. Okay, so it, it makes sense. And it wouldn't take me long at all. And I wish <laughs> we get it. You're hot. And I wish I could say that I can just masturbate and be fine. But since my sexual assault, I felt very uncomfortable with masturbating, which is something I'm currently working through with a therapist. So maybe one day I could just take care of it myself. It doesn't matter. Masturbation and sex with another person, partnered sex. Those are two completely different things, uh, whether you were assaulted or not. But until then, what can I do? He's basically obsessed with me uh, with... Um, He's basically obsessed with me with how much he tells me he loves me. And he really is an incredible person that I can truly see an amazing future with. But this seems to be the only getting worse with time. We're looking at apartments to move in together in six months. But if our sex life doesn't improve, I don't want to live with this feeling uh, and constant reminder of not being good enough or sexy enough for my boyfriend, which okay, uh, I'm very quickly drifting away from him emotionally because I'm not being fulfilled sexually. And it's a really scary and heartbreaking feeling. I'm building a ton of resentment mm -hmm. and I'm putting up a wall that I don't think I know how to break down. What the fuck do I do? <clears throat> Thanks for reading. Love, Jay. Um, I think he's cheating on you. I, I, I don't know. Damn. No, really? Mike's saying no, but I, I, eh. I, I, this is, there's only, there's like two, there's two reasons and you can have the other one. And I don't normally think cheating, but I just have this like overwhelming intuitive feeling that he's cheating. And I got to say, she's not wrong. Yes. Uh, okay. So this is, this is literally the end of the relationship with uh, my relationship with Alexis. Right. Like, but were you this loving? 
Like, were you? This... I mean, yeah, we were. We had. We had like a. Our thing was a, probably a little more toxic, but like, yeah, yours. Yeah, I was very in love with her, but I could not bring myself to have sex with. It her. could also now, be the end of a relationship too, but uh, but also these those things could be conjoined. So even if he's not actively cheating, there could be another person. You know, could, he could perhaps. have. Oh, maybe he feels he guilty, could and have, that's what would not. He could be have able to previously cheated one time. Maybe. Any because I mean, and also this reminds up. me in many ways shades of of my ex too. Sure. Um, and it's not like it wasn't like an active cheating, but it was like something that happened. And it was like, obviously, like, you know, we loved each other, but it was more like that, you know, old marriage kind of love right. where it's like, oh, you got each other's backs, you know, but then how can you have each other's backs when you were cheating? But, that's, okay. that's how I felt with with yeah. Lex at the end of the relationship. And for me, in I, we don't know, you know, the, the full details of like kind of what has happened in their relationship. Sure. I hit a point where I had a level of resentment towards her because of like the ups and downs of all Who this didn't stuff. Wanna, you didn't want to fuck her? Did she want to fuck you? She did, yeah. But, Interesting. But, I, but she was doing the same type of stuff where it'd be like lingerie and like, just kind of forcing the issue, which then put more pressure on the issue. Mm. And it wasn't happening in the first place. Well, but she, it was making it worse in, in a lot of ways. But right. for me, it was a, it was a, there was a resentment that I could not get past to sort of allow myself to, to fuck her. And right. I was I was masturbating every day, same sort of thing. I I don't think either of us ever cheated on each other. I never cheated on her, obviously. <laughs> it's like you I don't know think you cheated fact. on her. <laughs> That's a yes or no, my friend. I didn't cheat on her. I, I don't think she ever cheated on me. But I just think that there is like maybe something happened. You know, maybe he's cheating on you, but like I, I have another. There's uh, a lack option. of attraction too. I mean, and also I know like you're like I like you're like oh we're sleeping naked to each other. I, I eh, think that's a bad move. I agree because, because if your titties are always out, then exactly. they're not special. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sure. I don't think I don't think throwing it in someone's face when you're already in a relationship with them is the way to go. Here's what I think. I think a, a possible another possible suggestion as to what it is, and I'm not. I don't have like an intuitive hit on this. I just I do know a person, a couple people who were with uh, a, a female uh, males who were with female partners who they loved them so much, but they didn't want to fuck them. And so I wonder if it's a Madonna whore complex thing where at first um, you're a sexual being to him. And then once he, as he falls more in love with you, does the sex go away because he doesn't feel comfortable with it? Because uh, I don't know. He just, he thinks you're too precious. I have no idea because the way that he dotes on you is very interesting. Um, he could also just be, not be attracted to you anymore. And that's such a, such a fucking hard thing to hear. And it's probably it's a, hard a hard thing, thing for him to, to admit. Say. I wonder if it's a hard thing for him to admit too, because it's like, yeah, somebody's looks is not who they are. However, if you are not physically attracted to that person, that has to be, that has to be addressed immediately. And, and you, you, the relationship ends. I would say, you, and you know this, do not move in with this man don't, yeah, and no, let no. him know you have some power in this situation and you're power is don't take the relationship any further because one of the things as one of the ogs of sex podcast advice uh dan savage says you are not willing to pay this price of admission this is a sexless relationship you're only a year and a half in are you fucking what and you have but your sex drives are not compatible they're not equal so because of that maybe this is not something that's fixable maybe the relationship needs to end but the conversation i think needs to be this relationship will not be progressing any further because a very important need that I have is not getting met. Yeah. So maybe that means we should end the relationship, but let's talk about it. And it seems like you've done a lot of talking um, and and like you've already communicated very clearly, it seems, how you, how you feel, how it makes you feel. So I think it just needs to be kind of more simple, especially because you're talking to a dude. Um, you just need to be like, listen... <laughs> 
I'm not sure what's going on with Mino, you. I'll support you through whatever what you're what you're going through. But right now, like sex is an important part of a romantic relationship with me. And if we continue this pattern of sex, I can no longer continue in this relationship. Like very point blank, because um, the forcing the forcing the romance and the sexuality, that's not going to work. work. That's not going to work. And also that's why you're internalizing it as it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. I don't know that it is. And I and I either way, even if he wasn't attracted to you anymore, that's still not personal, even though it feels like the most personal thing in the world. But the more you try, the sadder you're going to get. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can. I mean, I mean this not physically, but you can beat an answer out of him. Like if you keep asking it, it to me, it seems like you might fear the answer. So maybe you didn't ask hard enough. But like I like to know uh, the, the answer to questions, even if they hurt my feelings. I like to know the truth. So I have beaten things like this out of guys before and again just <laughs> not physically not physically be- beat it beat it out of them um so i think they will give you an answer or like you, you know or saying something like are you not, like clearly asking are you not attracted to me anymore but be prepared for the answer to be no and it's a fucking hard thing to swallow like that's a hard that's a hard thing to say to someone it's and i don't think that I don't think it's necessarily something that you should offer to someone unless they directly ask you because it's very hurtful and a lot of people can't handle that. Um, but I mean, it just happens sometimes in relationships. And I know you said you're hot. It doesn't matter if you're hot. Uh, I've stopped being attracted to probably like the, yeah, actually I'm thinking in my head right now, the two hottest boyfriends I've ever had, um, I stopped being attracted to them. And it was not because they weren't attractive anymore. It's because I don't, their personalities or things that they did or just didn't vibe with me. That overdominant, that dominated your physical looks. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, some of the less attractive people I was attracted to the whole time because I like their personality, I like the way they carried themselves. I like their whole vibe, I like their energy, our, our sex, you know, sex drives connected, you know, in a chemistry kind of a way. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but the, the the news is that it's it's bad news. It's bad news. Uh-huh. It's, there's no scenario in which this is like something that's just going to go away. You're going to you're going to work out of like this is pretty this is pretty bleak. So you need to get to the bottom of it and you need to not move in with this guy. And I, I kind of think this relationship is over. Probably. But, but you, know, you got you, know, you got to talk. Chat about it. Use your words, my friends. Right. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. A lot of them are very big. Uh, But we keep them bottled up and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. It's time to say goodbye to your jackets and all your sweaters. And you got to refresh your wardrobe. Well, luckily... I found Quince, and now you have too, because you're listening to this. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you go to their website, the amount of categories, they have travel, lookbooks, men, women, home, babies, and kids— 
Their stuff is so cute. So I own a couple items from Quince, and one of them is the Italian leather handwoven crossbody purse in green, emerald, and I get compliments on it all the time. It's a small purse, which I really love because then I don't put as many things in it. Um, guys, Quince is amazing. They have very luxury items for very cheap prices. Get warm weather ready, baby, with Quince. Go to quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. And then come see us live. New Jersey, Hasbro Heights, where you at? I'm headlining Bananas Comedy Club February 25th and the 26th with Justin Silver featuring four shows total. Portland, Oregon, I'm going to be headlining Helium Comedy Club March 3rd through the 5th. Baltimore, Maryland, March 24th through the 26th. I'm going to be at Magoobies headlining. And as always, you can listen to my solo podcast, The Voices in Our Heads, for the latest episodes. You're going to want to go to patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. And then Fort Collins, Colorado. I am in you April 15th and 16th for four shows total at the Comedy Fort. Um, I'll be bringing Wendy Steiner with me. Maybe there'll be someone else with me. You don't know. It'll be fun. Um, I love Colorado. Excited to play that venue. Never played it before. Heard it's super fun. And then, of course, you can listen to me and Shane Smith every week on Without a Country. Uh, we roast politics and we make them digestible for everyone. I think there's, you know, some people are like, I don't want to listen to a new show or like this is I want to relax and take my mind off the world. But this show is like really fun and it's a way to not be a dumb bitch, uh, but also not take things too seriously as far as the news and social issues are concerned. And that comes out everywhere. You listen to podcasts, including full video on YouTube on uh, Saturdays. And you can rate and review Guys We Fucked. We're on Apple Podcasts again. Uh, I've seen a lot of reviews coming in over the past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, that's so great. Thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate you. It's a free way to help the show and keep us in the top 200 comedy charts. And then, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you're going to want to check out our special day, which is our debut comedy special. You can find it for free in totality at YouTube.com slash Guys We Fucked without the you and fucked share it uh comment on it uh talk about it to friends suggest it to someone who likes comedy like all this word of mouth is so powerful and there's a lot of amazing free content including the dumb bitch woo hour on that channel um and you can also find clips of guys we fucked podcast on both our instagram and our tiktok which is guys we fucked again without the un fucked we're trying to fucking give you all the content that you want have new people discover the show um because it's a great show and we feel confident about that we just you know keep keep getting more people to listen to it and helping women become more empowered and shameless sexual beings yeah how are you uh i'm all right overworked but you know i had a little fun this weekend oh good always nice to uh get to get some fun in there that is the purse of dating a 24 year old they always manage to have some fun so that's nice and i did uh, i also was thinking like i discovered my um i think the best time 
to have sex uh, definitively, I have discovered the best time or my favorite time to have sex. Which is? And that is when you've already placed the order on Uber Eats or Seamless <gasps> or Postmates yeah. and you're waiting for it to come. That That's the best time because it's kind of thrilling because yeah. you have a bit of a timeline. Yeah. You have to make sure you're like come bef- you before like, the bell rings. You come before the buzzer goes off. So that's kind of thrilling. You have this like reward at the end of it, this good food that you're going to eat. And that's what I want to do after I come, I want to eat. Exactly. And yeah. you know that you have to fuck now and fuck your best <gasps> because after you eat, you know, Taco Bell, whatever it is Finished. you're getting, you, there won't be no fucking. Yeah. Right. Because right. you just ate a grilled cheese burrito. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. And I oh, remember because Dylan and I did that. And then I remember like some of my other favorite like sexual moments. And I got I had this like warm memory of a guy who uh, I mean, I have mixed memories about him, but he was like a pretty like important relationship in my life. Um, this was like caught like around college time or like a little bit after and um he uh i remember ordering dominoes and then like us like just fucking wildly until the dominoes <gasps> came yeah and i think like we weren't even fully you done when it arrived and you stuffed your mouth it's just so good it's just so there's nothing more fucking satisfying than the uh than the the app rush fuck like yeah. i Ooh, love it i absolutely idea. love it and i was like oh this is this is nice this is great that's so, a great idea yeah. That's a great idea. The app rush fuck. Yeah. Sometimes I do that with masturbation. That's marketing. Yeah. I'll, Thank I'll you. order food and I'll <laughs> masturbate. And then by the time it comes, I'm like so hungry. Yeah. And it also, it helps you in both ways because like if you're really hungry and like just sitting there and waiting for that order to arrive sometimes is like it's unpleasant. Yeah. It's a waste of time because you can't focus on anything else. I know. Because the food will arrive at any minute. Yeah. But like fucking or masturbating during that time is like the best use of that time. I, I feel. Yeah. I agree. That's I great. I saw... um sleep no more because it came back to the McKittrick Hotel and oh man you know, haunt, haunt, you know that, yeah. haunted houses make me really horny <laughs> yes. sleep no more makes me so horny oh my god it was like eyes wide shut but no one actually there were naked people some of the actors were naked really um, there's some nipples Ooh. Uh, somebody said they saw a guy's dick and I'm like I don't know if that was an actor in the show I think that was just some guy because <laughs> I didn't see but the, the way the show I'm so obsessed with the immersive theater and it is one of my dreams to one day buy a building in the city and turn it into an immersive theater experience where we like fly in artists from all the like visual artists graphic artists like audio artists whatever but um so i I went to see it again because it came back and um oh my god you wear you have to they were actually pretty pretty uh strict with the testing we actually had to get tested on site and then present the negative test to get into the venue oh wow um and then they gave us they gave us our own n95 mask because they wanted to make sure we were in the right one right one when i first saw sleep no more was pre-pandemic so there was no mask but there was a face mask it looked like um, right uh um kind of like eyes wide shut like the masks that cover half the upper half of your face but because our mouth area was covered with the face mask and then that we also had the the other mask like the theatrical mask on you were your face was completely covered right and so the 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 way the show works is the audience is not guided to go anywhere you can there's a, a big cast yeah. of act- actors and there's about four floors of a warehouse that are just little rooms there's a, a big dining theater area there's a stage one room is like you know somebody's bedroom and then a, a doctor's office from the 20s and it's fucking amazing it's it feels like you're a, an adult kid um and it was really fun but i got so horny and one of the things i started doing was i would watch like a scene that they were in and then there was like i would pick a guy and like follow him but like, cause that's part of the part of it. But I was like, I want to follow him. But like, 
it kind of made me feel like a creepy dude, but like it was awesome. Did Welcome you go by yourself life. or with someone? I went with a friend, but we separated right away. Right, because and, and I wanted to because I'm like, don't cling to me. I'm going to. And she was like, yeah, whatever. Do um, you have to separate from your the person you're with? No, no oh. there's a lot of couples there. There was a lot of if I had it that honestly, it's a good place to go with a date because it's very dark. You could barely fucking see anything. Right. Um, very dim. And the it, the whole the whole uh, venue, it has a speaker system. So the music is so beautiful and it's oh. It's so good. And I was so horny and I still not hor- stop being horny from it. Because <laughs> I remember in the in, in when we went to Then She Fell, didn't we? They they separated us at times. At some times. Yeah. And that's a guide. That's more of a guide. They tell you where to go. You can't just go off on your own. Oh, okay. Sleep, sleep, sleep no, no more, more is like you go a free for all. On your own, which is really interesting. It's almost uh, too much freedom for an audience member. I think after having going to immersive theater for so, so long now, I'm like, okay. I, it is a good experience though because you never go to a show and have that freedom. Sure. Like you can, I can go upstairs. I can be away from everybody, which I was away from. It's two hours long. I was away from people by myself for a little bit. And then I was like following audience members. And then I was following certain actors. And it was just cool. And very, I was so horny. And there was a lot of couples like making out. And I was like, yeah. I've, oh, I've, really? During the show? Oh my God. Yeah. Cause it was so dark. Like That's it, so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Is there, is it one of those shows where there's like a bar in the front and you can have a drink before the show? You can have a drink before and yeah. after. Yeah. And yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I highly recommend if you're in New York City. To, to get tickets I'm glad yeah. it's back I've never seen is it like a million dollars a ticket or? uh yeah I think it's like a buck 50 oh like a, yeah. okay that's fine so that's like not, Broadway yeah. yeah yeah it's expensive but I mean you go to the place and you're like fuck the amount of money that it must have cost to put this together and yeah. it's so beautiful you could tell like their set designers their costume designers were incredible the actors oh I fucking love actors I love actors so much I think they're the one thing I was craving though was dialogue I wanted specific story but um but I was so horny that didn't matter um <laughs> We had, you had seen it before though I had but it was 2014 oh, oh that's a long time yeah, ago because I looked Jesus. up okay. in my inbox and I was like wow last time I got tickets this was a while ago yeah yeah um, yeah and my mind was blown then but this I, yeah I don't know it was cool uh, and then moving topics to something not horny um, I had a conversation with a friend over the weekend who uh, was kind of at a loss as to what to do um, about a friend who was experiencing domestic violence Um physically getting beat up uh getting emotionally just getting pummeled mm. emotionally um and this person they the, the couple this particular couple have been together for a long time mm. a, a big number of years and one of the things that i thought was interesting that this person shared with me was the other women that are they're friends with her in the in the like a group of friends um like they ended up not necessarily women, some men, people who are friends with this girl who was in the abusive couple um, ended up giving her ultimatums of, hey, if you don't do something, I'm so concerned. Like after, obviously, after speaking with her, like, you you know, do you ca- what can I do? How can I help you to get out of this situation? Um, and when she would go back and want help and then have a weekend with them away in another state and then go back to her home with this abusive partner mm. and take it all back. And then sure. and then it would get to the point, and this is, the, I've heard this story hundreds yeah, of thousands of times. It's cycle of abuse, yeah. Yeah, and there's, you know, all of those key elements that I hear, uh, all the hits, uh, oh, no pun intended, um, with, uh, with, with going so far as to saying uh taking back a story that she said about the abusive partner like when it was actually brought up again sure i didn't say that yeah um yeah and then it made me it made me 
it made me just want to talk about it because um, I looked in the guys we fucked inbox after I hung up with her. We were on the phone for about two hours um, because I was a- I was asking her questions to kind of get a gauge of the situation. And um, a lot of friends that end up giving her ultimatums of if you don't get out of this relationship, I can't be friends with you. This this friendship is straining because I'm worried about you dying. He said he was going to kill you. That and you are worried about him killing. It doesn't you. seem like the right ultimatum. Right. Right. But then but then and then another one, another person was like to I, isolate her i i don't want exactly i yeah. don't i don't want to i don't you know i want to be friends with you if you're obviously not leaving this person can we just not talk about it i don't want to hear how he's beating you up because what what can i do there's nothing i can do about it and so so a portion of her friends were abandoning her and then and those are also very um self-centered reasons it is, right i agree i agree because i was like <laughs> sorry the, the, the story's about your, your abuse your are ruining my day right that's a <laughs> right. wild thing to say to someone but then but then i i was i was trying to put myself in my in the person i was talking to my friend's shoes of like what would i do i i don't there was only there was only one couple that I knew of um, and I didn't even know the girl well. She was a, a, another, she was closer with my other friend. Right. Um, where they got married um, and she was be- getting beat up. Like she was get pushed out of the cars. Ugh. Um, her head would get smashed into brick walls. Sure. Um, but uh, some of the consistencies that I noticed with the emails, because I searched like beat me and domestic violence, domestic abuse. Like I, I put all these keywords into our inbox just to see the emails that came up. And there was a lot of consistencies, obviously. Um, but one of them is like people stopped talking about it. Like the like this girl, the girl that I'm talking about where I was talking to her friend on the phone. Um, she wanted to go to a, a friend's wedding and bring that boyfriend. Mm. And and the the husband that was getting married said, you are please come. He is not welcome. Yeah. Which is fair. I think But then she ended up not going either Mm -hmm. because of that cycle of abuse. Sure. And what happens is the, when it's, it's most of the times it's the male partner that is abusive. They'll say, your friends don't get you. Your friends are against me. Your friends Mm -hmm. don't like us. And then when, then when the friends go, Hey, we don't like him. He's hits you. She, the woman goes, this is exactly what he said. They would say, and it makes her closer to the guy. Yep. And so I was trying to put myself in her shoes of like, if I was friends with somebody, because like I said, that that one kind of distant example that I had where there was domestic abuse involved, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I can't be in the same room with that guy. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't even know her very well, but I'm like, I don't want to be in the vicinity of somebody that I know beats the shit out of his girlfriend. Sure. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be around it. I don't want to, uh, but that's, 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 that's when I walk by and I just look them in the eyes and I go, I know what you do. And I walk away. Maybe that's the solution. I've done that to male comedians. You know who you are. Oh, yeah. Not for yeah, domestic yeah. abuse, for other fucking things. I know what you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, women who fuck comedians, they always come to us and tell. So be good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And then, I, and then I go, listen, I told you not to fuck a male comedian. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my we advice. Did, we did. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm better. like, I, I'm trying to just think. I just wanted to think out loud for, and to talk about this because it's a subject that needs to be talked about because part of what happens is no one then when it, you have a friend and they're getting the shit kicked out of them and yeah. they they want help but then they they get sucked back into this cycle of abuse because emotional abuse is i know you can't see the scars but they're deeper than the physical wounds and um and i think i think people like you know who haven't been in this situation kind of are like why why doesn't she just leave it and like there is a sense of obviously frust- if it was that easy right and there is a sense of frustration that comes with like i think being the friend to the abused person because you're so 
so frustrated that they're not helping themselves. And like, that's kind of why I think those ultimatums were being tossed around. Right. Um, but yeah, certainly isolating the person um, f- is only pushing them deeper into the uh, domestic violence situation. Right. Because they have, it's like, okay, everyone else is leaving. They have no one else. They've lost their support system. You're right. It's not the same as like alcoholism where you do want to isolate them, but like alcohol is not uh, like a person. It can't help you. There is a there is a rock bottom when unfortunately the rock bottom with domestic violence is Is death. death. So, you know, it's and I guess you could that could technically be the rock bottom with alcohol. But usually you're going to hit a rock bottom before that with alcohol. You embarrass yourself or you ruin an event. Exactly. Do do something that you go, oh, okay, then it's time to go to rehab. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I was trying to put myself in my friend's shoes of like, what would I say? And I and it seems like. I don't know the answer. I don't know what the answer is. But it seems like one thing that this topic, I think it might be missing, the the person who is being abused. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, that's why I wanted to throw it out for our listeners because um, I know that clearly a lot of you have suffered domestic abuse. Um, but I just, is is love. Like you, you I, I talk about, I, I think about the way Corinne operates in the world and the way I operate in the world, right? Like are, are very different. But one of the things that I've noticed about you, Corinne, is like, if somebody crosses a line with you, you notice it right away. Mm-hmm. Like it, you feel it in your body. Sure. You, your spidey senses go on right away. And a lot of people uh, will get mistreated and not realize it until later, mm-hmm. um, whether that's something that was said verbally or or even like when, 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 a, when the person who's supposed to love you the most strikes you, they physically hit you, they hit your body. I, am, I imagine that you are in shock from that possibly or you believe that that's the type of love that you are entitled to um because if that does not ring a bell for you to leave immediately that means that this is the type of treatment that is along the lines of what you think you deserve and i just wanted to put it out there that if you are somebody going through this um, experience you are not alone there are Hundreds of thousands of people in our inbox alone going through this experience. So I can't imagine what the global statistics are. But I just wanted to say that that's not what love is. And um, you deserve to be loved. And um, and you have the opportunity to choose to stop a cycle by leaving the situation. Or you have the opportunity to continue it. And I just... I just really and I know that we've talked about like um, various things, uh, technicalities when somebody's leaving an abusive relationship, like a safety plan, Um, because that, you know, that's a very important part of it. This person, they weren't they weren't technically living together, the couple. So it was a little easier. But it's like you do you do really want to be mindful of getting the person out safely, because if the guy has a temper or if he loses shit right away. That's obviously going to be something that that stokes his that stokes his anger. And um, the police don't aren't as helpful with that kind of situation unless you actually have bruises or if you die. And then then they can't do anything about it. Well, and also for domestic violence disputes, anything like that, like you have to the person being abused has to say, yes, I want to press charges. And so often they they decide that they don't want to even after the, you know, in that moment of like when they're fighting for their life and like actively getting abused, even if they call 911, a lot of times the uh, police will show up. And I think this is like a shitty law. I I think like it's hard because like you never want to put the police in a situation where they get to take you against your will. But also I think sometimes like you just need 
need to be removed immediately like or or almost like there should be some kind of a safe house for if you yeah. make a domestic violence call you are removed from the situation at least for that time period it's a very complex situation I'm just fucking spitballing here right right, um, right. I, I did just google what do I do if my friend is being abused while we were having this conversation and there's a lot of different things and I want to put a disclaimer on I don't I don't know exactly who is writing some of these articles. So please, like, do not take this as gospel. But like there is, um, you know, some information saying, like, don't tell them they need to leave or badmouth their abuser. Mm. And I'm guessing it is because That'll further isolate. It, exactly. It's because of the, the uh, you know, manipulative words that the abuser has already put That's in their tough. heads. Yeah. And so you don't want to kind of prove their abuser true when they're right. already like so deep in the cycle. And listen, I do have really good boundaries and. I know when I'm being mistreated, but even there have, you know, been times even for me, it's not like I have some kind of a perfect track record where I've been in a situation um, where even at the time I like, and someone says something to you in a relationship and you go, this is fucked up. This is toxic. This is the start of, uh, this is a start of a bad pattern, but like, you know, it's not enough or like you're in so deep to the relationship and there was so many good parts and you kind of almost start like reasoning or bargaining with yourself. But it's like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. To kill you? Yeah. Well, stab you. I mean, this is not, yeah, this is not, not a situation where I was being physically abused or anything. So, you know, it's different, but uh, I mean, I think it is really true to kind of when you, when you beat someone, whether it be physically, mentally, or both, you kind of like, are in a way making like making them think like that there's nothing there's not going to be anything better for me even if th- even though this is really bad if I leave things could get worse and you know there's that this saying the devil yeah. that you know is better than the devil that you don't know and I think that is something that fucks people up all the time we see it a lot in politics where you know really awful presidents don't get voted out I was very fearful that D- Donald Trump wouldn't get voted out because of that because no matter how bad things get people still tend to fear the unknown um more than the known Mm -hmm. even if the known is super bad and i think like for so many reasons and in so many aspects of our life we need to remove that and uh realize that if we're not happy and if we're being hurt like there there is always a a better future and a better place for us yeah but of course it does take a lot of strength to to bring yourself to that place and if you're getting abused physically and mentally every day i mean you just must be so tired it's exactly what i said to my friend because i I go making a decision takes energy in any person it doesn't matter if you're picking between red or blue shirt a decision makes energy. That is why Steve Jobs were the same thing every day. That's why a lot of CEOs were the same exact thing. What they are doing psychologically is they are eliminating the amount of decisions they have to make on any given day so that their energy is put towards the major decisions that really matter. Yeah, conservation. So, yeah, so when you are getting emotionally beaten down, being told your worth is, and then getting fucking, I just, I just, I can't, oh, you just getting hit in the fucking face by your boyfriend is is I can't imagine how that feels that that's got to feel like that's got to be like one of the worst feelings in the world. Um, so I, and I can't imagine that you have the energy to make a decision as big as breaking up with somebody, especially breaking up with an abuser where there's safety involved. So I don't know what exactly to do, but I want I want to search for something that will empower people 
I think it's connecting this energy, pe- connecting people with resources and, and not just like a phone number, you know, like I, I, something that I, I think is so sloppy in mental health is just like when we talk about suicide or there's a program that talks about suicide and then we slap the suicide prevention for 800 number at the end of the show. And it's like, that's so fucking yeah. lazy, not yeah. helpful. And like, it makes me like not want to call the. I mean, not that and I was not getting the to the anyway. core of the issue. It's just kind of like, what? Like you're just doing that so you don't get sued. Like you don't actually give a shit. Um, so I think it's yeah. like providing people with resources, uh, whether it be like, you know, do a little research, uh, find like a book that has really spoken to people. A podcast is a great way. Um, and and maybe don't even make it have heavy handed. Don't even say here's don't say here's this podcast about abuse. I want you to listen to yeah. say, oh, my God, I just heard this really informative podcast and I just think you would find it so interesting. Recommend it to a friend, something yeah. like that. So it doesn't feel like so much like let me help you. You're in need. Like and no one like no one likes feeling like a pity party. Or how about you? If you know someone who has been th- who has gotten out of a domestic violence situation, set up a co- coffee, say we're doing like a girl's chat, a girl's hangout day. Oh, I know this woman who I think you really, really get along with. Kind of like do something like, like, like that. You have to think creatively and actively um, have a spa day where you know sometimes like that you know a gentle comforting positive touch can make someone realize how bad that negative touch is mm-hmm. you got to be creative in your friendships and your problem solving yeah uh, just the way you are you know in any other aspect of your life and like if you really care it's not just like handing someone a pamphlet or being like you got to get out of this relationship like right. do you care or do you not care what or do you just care about how it affects you do you, right? yeah, do you do care you, about the ugliness and humanity that you have to face because your friend's getting the shit kicked out of her? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's not about that. So so focus on. And if you're a listener who has been in a uh, physically or an emotionally abusive relationship and you got out, I'd be curious. Um, write us an email and, and it, what what resources helped you? Because I want to share them. Um, or like what was like the in, the, the the moment? Was there yeah. an aha moment? Was there a rock bottom? Like what was it that like finally flipped that switch in your head that was like, I don't deserve this. This isn't my fault. I need to fucking get out. I, I'm, I, I don't have to, I shouldn't have had to take this at all and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really interested mm-hmm. because this is such a tricky one. It is. And I and with with <clears throat> sexual assault, with rape, uh, we, we did an episode where we just read the subject lines of emails from people who were raped. Uh, and when you see it all kind of laid out in list form, you're like, Wow, this is this is a huge um, blind spot that we need to shine a light on. And if and you know, and if not, maybe someone just wants to set, start a poison company, poison le- poison allegedly, lemonade Chad. mix. Allegedly, Chad. Allegedly, Chad. Show show your boyfriend who loves you on Valentine's you Day. Give him the old Thelma and Louise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, switching gears. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. They are doctors of physical therapy and the owners of Empower Your Pelvis which is a wellness group specializing in pelvic health rehabilitation and prenatal and postpartum for women and men because everybody has a pelvic floor and it does affect how you come. Okay. Fuck yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Dr. Morgan Clark and Dr. Amanda Fisher.
Okay, we are here with Dr. Morgan Clark and Dr. Amanda Fisher. Um, very excited to talk to you guys today. Donna Guerreros introduced me to you all. To you all, um, and I took a Zoom class where you were you had all of your diagrams and and models of body parts about the how important it is to have your pelvic floor in shape. So, in a nutshell, could you just kind of go over why that's so important for women? Yeah. Your pelvic floor muscles do a lot of things for your body. They help hold your urine in. So they deal basically with the three P's, pee, pooping, oh, two P's and sex. All right. So penetrating and putting it in. Those are very important. We use them daily, right? So peeing and pooping, we want those to stay in unless we want them to come out. Um, intercourse, we want that to be very pleasurable, but if it's not, and it's uncomfortable, like unwanted pain with sex, there can be an issue with those muscles. Those muscles also support our organs. So they hold up your bladder, your uterus, and your rectum. If they're not holding it up, it turns into prolapse. Oh, yeah. my my, I have a family, close family member that experienced that. And it was very alarming that we didn't realize that your anus can come out, can come outside, can be on the outside. Yeah. Um, Which didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So is your bladder just kind of sitting there on your pelvic floor or is it like pinned up on the wall? Like what? Do you want to go in there? Yeah. So you do have ligaments that kind of suspend some of your pelvic organs. So your bladder, your ovaries, your uterus, but the majority of its stability is coming from your 28 muscles down there, also known as your pelvic floor. So there's lots going on down there. And I tell patients it's like a left and a right leg. So it can move with you. It's like what Amanda said, pee, poop, and sex, but standing, sitting, breathing, um, running, jumping, going upstairs, those muscles don't only work with pee, poop, sex. And so that's where I think a lot of the, um, confusion is with patients when they come in there, they're like, well, I don't have any of those issues, but yeah, every time I, you know, go up the stairs, my left hip hurts that potentially could be a pelvic floor issue as well. Mm. Oh, so, so the majority of your patients do they come in after childbirth? Cause I know childbirth does a number. Yeah. I think we've also been promoting that to our community for the last two years, pretty hard. And we do, we see a majority of our population would probably be prenatal postpartum population. However, I would see our biggest statistic that we see in the clinic is chronic pelvic pain. So pain with sex, hip pain, low back pain, pain with insertion of anything, pain with orgasm or after orgasm, endometriosis. So wait, I have, I'm glad I'm talking to a doctor. I, there'll be times when, um, I did have an ovarian cyst once and then that was like years ago, but then every once in a while, like it happened to me just the other day, we're all master, I masturbate all the time. And, um, but it'll be, oh my God, the pain, like the worst period cramp you've ever experienced. And it's like, I'm like, what the fuck? It's right after I have an orgasm. What is, what's that? So you can, you're bringing a lot of blood flow and circulation down there. Number one. So that's a lot of increased space that's happening around those organs. We want that. We want that nutrition and nutrients happening down there. The muscles are also contracting and relaxation, relaxing with the orgasm, right? So if we have any tension built up, probably with the cyst, we already have those muscles that are kind of going a little high and tight that can make it more uncomfortable. So if we know that we have a cyst or that it's going to be more uncomfortable around certain times of the month, then we may want to do some stretching or some diaphragmatic breathing prior to masturbating or prior to intimacy to help lengthen the tissue. So when it's doing the contraction relaxation, it's not getting caught in some kind of muscle spasm. That is what it feels like. So how do you stretch your pelvic floor muscles? Lots of different ways. <laughs> I was breathing, looking for a wand. Breathing is the number one way and it's free. It's always with you. You can do it in any position you want, right? 
diaphragmatically taking that breath in through the nose, out through the nose can create that suction down to the pelvic floor. It allows the pelvic floor to move through a lengthened position, just like your arms and legs do, and then contracts or recoils back up. So a nice movement, again, just like arms and legs. So that would be our number one. Deep breath in and out your nose. That's all it is. I love in and out the nose. I feel like it creates a beautiful suction down to the pelvic floor and back up. So you can kind of feel it in your vagina. Well, at least I can feel it. I can too. You should. That's perfect. Yes. It's all connected. Right. And that's what we want. We want to feel it down there. Um, You can also use your hands to help stretch out tissue. So you can go down to the labial tissue. You can stretch out labial area. You can get your thumb into the vaginal canal. You can lengthen that tissue. You can use tools that we have in the clinic, like a wand. Wait. Okay. This is very interesting. So you just put your thumb up there and then we'll like wash it first. Yeah. But both just one thumb. They're not just made for masturbating, right? (laughs) There are so many other things you can do with your fingers down there and you can, you can hook that thumb down there and get it to lengthen, massage it. Like you would massage other muscle tissue. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's a group of muscles like anywhere else. Right. Right. Just like you would rub out like your upper traps or your neck. Cause you've, you know, been sitting on a computer. It hurts. Yeah. That tissue down there, same thing. Create some nice TLC down there to let it really melt and relax out. Then it should be able to work better for you when you are orgasming without hmm. having that piercing pain. Very interesting. There's a lot of women that have written us in the with, over the eight years that we've been doing the show that so many of them, and I've talked to them at, at our shows, um, and they seem so distraught, which I can't imagine. I mean, I would be too if I was in this position. They can't masturbate. They can't have sex because it just it hurts. Like any type of insertion hurts. And, and they'll go to their gynecologist and they're like, it's in your head. There's so many people that they've been told it's in their head. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not, give me something to do. Like what? Do you, do you see a lot of women that have experienced the same symptoms? Weekly. Do you realize Majority like of different our clients. Oh, wow. So is it all the same because of the same thing or is it unique to them? It's all unique to them. Um, and I think we've both experienced that same, you know, sentence from our providers and we're like, well, we know better. So we're going to do better. And we're trying to really get that out to normalize the pelvic health with it. Um, but so often we think it is in their head, but you know, those muscles, number one, they are controlled by emotion. So, you know, you can say it's a little bit in your head. Like, are we more stressed and anxious? A lot of our population, you know, if you're holding tension in your jaw, like crunching and grinding your teeth at night, you're going to hold tension down there. They go together. Oh, which is right. incredible to me. Like you can oh, truly activate your I pelvic have... floor with your mouth. Huh, Cause I was like, I have, I, wonder, a, yeah. I have a really, I mean, my vagina seems fine, but I was like, I have, uh, I've had a very uh, traumatic uh, year. So I, and I started like really, really bad clenching my, my jaw where I wake up and it's like in immense pain. Like, the dentist could notice it from like my teeth. Like I had to go to like all these places and like have them like rub it out. And like another dentist like noticed just from looking at my cheeks, she could tell that the, I had been basically been working out the muscles in my cheeks. And I was so, and she's like, are you clenching your, your jaw at night? And I was like, so impressed that she was able to tell that from my cheeks. I was like, man, you guys are, you, you're learning something in school, <laughs> you know? Wow. But I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it was connected to my vagina. So that's good. That's another How, thing. That's good. I hear like, I, not another, <laughs> It may not be be vaginal issues. Like watch bowel too. Like maybe we're getting tailbone pain. Maybe we're Mm. queefing more. Maybe we're passing (laughs) gas or, you know, having rectal spasms. Like it could be any of Mm. those openings down there or any area that maybe not now, but in a couple months, it might start to, you might start to notice this pelvic floor dysfunction kind of popping up. Yeah. I was farting a lot randomly this weekend. You're right. (laughs) Not even joking. 
Not even joking. When somebody comes to you with vaginal pain, um, what what are the first things you ask them? Like what where how do you how does that type of um, assessment go? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it depends. So we have our people fill out paperwork before so that we don't have to go through everything. We can see have they had babies, if they've not had babies, obviously how old they are, if they're sexually active. We talk about sex in the office with every single patient. We talk about orgasms with every single patient. Um, those answers are very interesting. Some people are like not closed off and some people really are. So then, then it's usually like appointment three, four, five, six, when they ones who are closed off are finally like, you know, yeah, actually sex isn't good either. Or I've never had an orgasm and I'm 65 years old and I've been with the same partner since I was 20 or whatever. And these what are things we hear this? consistently. Oh yes. Oof. How do consistently. You- and do you do you encourage do you encourage a a, a good propor- a portion of your patients to ha- like how do you encourage somebody who hasn't came in their whole life and they're in their fifties or sixties or forties whatever what do you say to them like how do you encourage them in a way that actually would work. <laughs> A lot of those that are experiencing dysfunction and discomfort, we very much encourage them to figure that out self-pleasure first before we start to bring in a partner. So we do there, we call it sex size or um, pleasure size fun. where they have to get to know their body. So they'll go through exercises with us where maybe it's like one minute a day that we're starting to kind of tackle this. Because if I tell somebody to do it for 10 minutes a day, they're like, I don't fucking have time for that. Which you're like, this is the stuff you need to make time for. And really getting them used to knowing their body, realizing their brain is their biggest sex organ for them. And to figure out they're really like their accelerators and brakes with that area. Orgasms do so much good for that tissue down there, whether it's the organs or muscles, we really got to have that good nutrition down there to help us heal what we need to heal in the long run for them to achieve their goals. Wow. So sometimes coming is part of the prescription. (laughs) In both more ways than one, but it really is important. Like when they, when they start to realize that there's other health benefits other than, because the ones that are closed off, they don't want to, they're not going to jump in, go in there, get in their car and go get a vibrator after the session, but they want to know, Oh, it helps with my skin. It helps with my headaches. It, it helps with my overall hormonal balance. Like those are the kinds of things that patients then buy in. Cause it is all true. It's not. And then they're like, okay, then maybe this really is important for my health. Not just like this. Uh, I'm not feeling comfortable. This is taboo. Or like, I feel like I'm cheating on my partner when I do this. And there's a lot of things to uncover. When they masturbate? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They feel like they're cheating? Yeah. And I, religious reasons, cultural reasons. Um, And so, and and fishing through that is a really big skill, honestly. And I've learned that over our clinical experience for sure. Yeah, I love the way you guys talk. Uh, your Instagram account, it's at empower your pelvis with uh, periods in between all the words. Uh, but I, you're, it, it's incredible the way you talk about sex is just so, it's just so matter of fact, like you're talking about fixing the engine on your car. Like it's just, it's just like, <laughs> it this is. is the clit and this is how you like make, you know, put open your vagina and this is how you, and I imagine where, where are you guys based? Kansas City, like, Missouri. Okay, so I'm sure you are up against. Thank I. You know what? I'm so glad you guys are there because that, <laughs> that is an area I imagine they need people talking about this. Like it's not a big deal because that's how they become more comfortable and they open themselves up. Exactly. Um, we get such a pushback. Other... Hmm? We get such a pushback of people wanting to come into the clinic. So since we've started, you know, social media. Now, instead of us getting the referral right away for p- patients to come see us, the doctors are referring them to our social media accounts. But yeah. get to know these ladies, you'll like and trust they talk. them, then go yeah. in and see them. So it, it it does help. 
So what's the like? What's the push? Like, do people feel like it's not important? Like, it's not a real thing? Like, what's the hesitation? Exactly. I think people used to feel like they were the only one with this diagnosis. Um, I just got off the phone with somebody right before this call. I was scheduling her, and she's like, "I don't didn't even know this was a thing. Like, why would I have pelvic? Why would I have physical therapy for my vagina?" I was like, "Well, all their muscles down there. They're with just an like, attitude like that, miss. Yeah, <laughs> right. And you you just have to explain it to them. They they feel like they don't want to come in because something is, you know, terribly wrong with them. No one else is doing it where we, I like to tell them like, gosh, out in East coast and West coast, like everybody has a pelvic floor PT. Like there's plenty of them out there and out here, we're still just years behind. And it's not uncommon out there for you to know your best friend is going to a pelvic floor PT and someone else is going to a public floor PT. And we need to get that out, um, out here and let them know, but letting them know too, like it doesn't take very long to improve their symptoms. So if they're having bladder leakage, you know, it might take six to eight visits before they get, you know, better. And we're not going to see them multiple times a week. We might see them one time a week for a couple of weeks and then space out their appointments. So it's really kind of bringing their fear level down, getting them comfortable with the situation. And then they're like, sure, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause leakage, I mean, especially as you age, that's like a big problem you hear about a lot of commercials about it. So, I mean, I'm already preemptively, you know, trying Eagles, to prevent baby. like leakage. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to, Piss my, yeah. I was a bedwetter. I can't go back to that. Yeah, life, yeah, you know? yeah. No, it's not fun. And, I mean, think how much money people spend yearly on pads and depends and doctor's appointments because they have multiple urinary tract infections from leaking urine that's staying there, causing bacteria buildup. I mean, the list goes on and on and on because of something as simple as what we call stress incontinence. And why aren't we addressing this when people are, you know, 18 years old and are gymnasts and having this or right after they have their baby or during their pregnancy to even help with that. And it's, it's so funny how our culture is just like, well, I'll fix it when it gets there. And then when when it gets bad and then when we're there, it's too far gone. I mean, not always, I don't mean it that way, but we always wish we would have been prevented earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And how, what, what maintenance do you recommend? Like, uh, okay, so I'm 30, 33 and I don't, I don't have kids, um, but I would have kids maybe one day I'm single. So, but, um, like what, like, should I be doing stuff to strengthen the pelvic floor? And if so, what? I mean, I think the first thought is everybody should be doing Kegels and, what we know more often than not is people's public floors are more tight than they are loosey goosey. So what I mean is people need to learn how to contract it up and then put it all the way back down. So we like to use the phrase, like trying to pick up a blueberry with your vagina or trying to suck a smoothie oh, through a straw that, down there. Oh, and the, yeah, so that's you, what you said during the, during the Donna's class. And I was like, Oh, the blueberry thing. That's the, yes, exactly the visual that I, I that can, or yeah. like the straw. Like if you think of like visually, like sucking up something with your vag and then letting it all the way back down, like an elevator, that throws us through that full mobility that we have with all our arms and our legs. And we need to have that with our pelvic floor and with our vagina. And again, more often than not, people come in and we're like, you're, you're still at like, you're still on the fourth floor of the hotel. Like you need to come all the way back down. How with can your you tell floor. that? We use one gloved finger. So okay. we, we're going to say assessments. Yeah, yeah. We're doing pelvic pelvic exams. Yep. internal pelvic exams. So we have people pick up that blueberry, suck up that smoothie, put it all the way back down. And we like to feel, does it go all the way back to relaxation or is it stopping? Is it pausing as it's coming down? Like there's so many things we're paying attention to that the average Joe's probably just, you know, (laughs) hanging back on the table. Like, are you done yet? And we're like, okay, keep it, keep it coming. Right. I want to screenshot wow. your guys' faces right now. <laughs> well, I just, you really got to have a bedside manner, huh? For that. Yeah. Like you oh, really, yeah. when you're fingering a lady on a table because she just gave birth or she, whatever, there's a, there's an issue. 
that's a vulnerable place for that patient to be. It so is. you really have to. That's why I think the way you guys, the tone with which you discuss these topics, like it's just another day, like you're going to pick up, a, you know, go to the drive through McDonald's. Like that's <laughs> that's how you that's how you put people at ease, I imagine. But like, can it, so you talk about the fourth floor of hotel, great visual, totally understand <laughs> what you're saying. But like, so you can just want be walking around with it on the fourth floor of the hotel. Like oh, it's not, okay. It's so, not going to the lower floor. So, okay. Right. Can, like, so how can I, how do I know? This? Yeah. Can, how can I, I got a feel? Cause now I'm worried. Cause I'm always She's walking around ETIs a lot. very stressed out. So yeah. everything is going to be all, tense all the time, but my vagina doesn't feel tense. You know, doesn't have to feel tense in your vagina, but again, we have so many muscles hanging out down there. You have lots of room for like type A personality muscles and type B personality muscles. Uh huh. Type A's are going to overwork. They're not going to relax. They're going to stay high and tight. Mm, Type B's going to be relaxed on vacation, right? That's me. (laughs) You've got to get them to work together as a team again, just like you did group projects in high school. Yeah, but I did all so, the work in those. Doing so right. what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> you're the type A. You're type A. <laughs> you might say so she's type A. Yeah. Those muscles. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, getting no, them this to communicate. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. them to communicate, like with pelvic floor check-ins throughout the day. Okay. Where maybe every couple hours you pick up a blue. See how your pelvic floor feels, kind of internally assess, pick up that blueberry, put it all the way back down. Did it feel like it went all the way? Pick it up again all the way back down. Does it feel like it went a little bit further? Maybe one more. Okay. That feels different than how it did when I started, or maybe I feel like I'm clenching my pelvic floor, squeezing my butt all the time. That would be a high and tight pelvic floor. Most patients we teach this to the first time they walk out like, okay, sure. And then they come back week two and they're like, holy cow, I squeeze my butt all day, or I am clenching my pelvic floor. It's very rare for people to come in and be like, oh, I already do that all day. Do we hear that? Yes. But it's more once you become more conscious and aware, you'll be you'll understand your spectrum of what your muscle tissue is doing better. And right. you can change it within a few weeks of just like that habitual, like, okay, where am I at? Okay, now I'm going over to my mom's house and she stresses me out to no end. So, oh, now I feel it clenching or I'm about to go to a yoga class and this this is my happy place and I do feel more relaxed. My hips move better. There are definitely like situational and environmental triggers that you may have. And we tell that to patients all the time. And that's a really easy way to pick up on, okay, is this happening or is this not? Right. How often should you do a Kegel? Like how many times, how many minutes a day and every day or? And they're not for everybody. I think, oh. I think the biggest thing is if you, a key, the word Kegel is so, um, over like overly used people, in our I think world. Women just but think I want to type know. pussy. I'm going to do Kegels. Like, right. That's, that's not all what that people that's know. Right. Do one at, do it at a stoplight or whatever. But the problem is, is like what Amanda was just saying, if your pelvic floor is type a, you Kegels may actually hurt what's going on. Right. So that's why when people like message all the time or, you know, we're on zooms and we've never seen this person like, well, what should I do? And I'm like, first we have to understand what your pelvic floor is doing. And that a lot of time an assessment is really appropriate, whether it's from us or we'll teach people over zoom, how to assess themselves and give us feedback to give them better guidance. Hmm. Do you run into a lot of women who don't, um, there's that famous episode of sex in the city where Samantha's like, you guys don't look at your vaginas. And they're like, no, do you? And then they like, all look, do you find that because I know some women can be so closed off uh, in that area um, for so many reasons. Um, do you find that like women don't, they just don't have a relationship with their <laughs> vagina? I don't know. How Absolutely. Else to put it, but... Absolutely. And what, what does a healthy relationship with a vagina even look like? Like, I don't know. 
I mean, we talk to our clientele about really dating your vagina, getting to know it, getting to know the anatomy, because that's not stuff we ever got in health, you know, health class in school. Um, but we nice. like to know dermal, like, do you have any moles down there? If you do start watching them, pay attention to it. Let your oh. doctor know. Oh, I mean, no. I think about something else to worry about. Yeah. Moles in your vagina. It, well, number one, we had the self tanning. That was me. Um, oh, I did. Yeah. Two, it can be a sign of um, the HPV virus, like a stage one. So oh. these are things you just want to pay attention to. You want to know the color. We want it to be like a nice, happy pink. Of, yeah. Inside Good or the flow. lip? Pardon me? What, what, what part of it should be paint, like the lips, the whatever you want to know your normal color. Sorry. So you don't want like bright red. Cause that means inflammation. Right. Right. So you okay. get, if you're looking at it more often, then you're going to start to recognize when it doesn't look well, then you can call oh. your provider and let them know. So you really do have to date her. Cause you got yeah, to know, you have to date them. The you weather. have to get to know. Well, and I feel like my vagina is the best age for like my health in general, like your vagina and your tongue. It tell you so much about your health. Like those yes. are the two things that I look to as far as color, like, you know, wetness, like texture, like all those things. Like I really do use it as a total gauge for like, that's amazing. Well, well. I wish everybody did. We t- have to little, teach our it's, patients. It's a that. little alarm. Like you have an alarm and you smell like the it, smell, the yeah. smell that consists of your pee. Like there's, it's telling you so much. It's, it's really like gateway to your health. Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> I love the it. vagina, <laughs> the gateway to your health. Yeah. yeah. We're going to make a poster of that. I, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I always we, listen to yeah. my vagina. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just said, I always listen to my vagina for sure. <laughs> like a conch show. Like, I talk about a lot. Well, she, cause she's a finicky girl. So she's had yeah. a lot of issues going on, but I listen to her, what she says. So, well, I wish good. everybody would take a page out of your book though, because <laughs> I usually tell patients like once a week, look at down there because it's going to change look based on where you're at in your cycle. Um, what it looks like prior to sex versus after you orgasm, it's going to look a lot different. And so many people, like you guys are saying like, what are we looking for? I'm like, we are actually doing a class right now for pain with sex. Um, and it's been a four week course in the very first zoom. The very first thing we talked about was like, get a mirror guys. Like you have, before we even begin to start talking about like different things, you can use stretches, breathing, like we've got to look and see what yours looks like. And then the questions just go a million miles an hour because there are a lot of these people for the first time, whether they're in their twenties to we have sixties and seventies on there have never Good. looked. And side wow. note to that, one of our girls door dashed a mirror during the snowstorm. Oh, that was great. <laughs> That was amazing. <laughs> you go, sister. Oh my god! In a snowstorm, that is resourceful. <laughs> well, if you like, if, I think an inspiration for to like look at your vagina, especially if you're a heterosexual woman, like to think that like the men in your life have seen your vagina more times than you. That's like, fucked crazy. up. How dare they? Yeah, they don't yes. deserve that. How dare they? <laughs> and they look point. at their stuff all the time. Yes, touch mm-hmm. it, feel it, like yeah. all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. surprised you with working um, with with working with patients in this capacity? Like, has anything surprised you of like any interesting, you know, like people just we're not given the education like our parents. That's- I for me, my parents didn't say shit to me. And then I went to school and they just showed me the birthing video that didn't do anything. That was fear mongering. And so <laughs> I just went about my merry way going, guess I'll figure it out. Um, has anything surprised you in terms of like what people assumed was true or thought they knew? Oh man. I mean, the list could go on. I would say the biggest thing is the lack of like the lack of knowledge has still not improved. Wow. You know? Okay. So for my kids who are in elementary school and listening to friends whose kids are now going through the same exact videos that I had from the 1980s, Jesus. like how, why have we not changed that for our kids in society? 
Um, and so we've been trying to reach out to the schools, like, let us come talk to the fourth and fifth graders. Yes. We'll, we haven't had any luck with that yet. So we'll still keep trying. Um, but just to make it again, more like this is it this more positive, I guess, than the negative of watching something pop up behind a, a video or like, this is a tampon and it wasn't helpful. It was, it was fear mongering. Um, that's probably the biggest thing, lack of knowledge, where people go for education, I think is still kind of crazy. I will say too, that, you know, we've both done thousands of pelvic exams on both men and women and no one looks the same. And we tell that to people. And I can't tell you how many people will say like, well, does mine look normal? Or like, is that what it's supposed to look like? I'm like, yours is supposed to look like how you're supposed to look like. But in that lack of confidence. And when they finally start realizing That's like, Oh, one. it is okay. Or I'm, am learning about this. It is so cool to see how people transform through therapy, not even just with like, Hey, I'm coming in for pain with sex, but like more confident. Like these are the ones like by visit six, they're like already pulling their pants down as they like start. The <laughs> <laughs> and like, before they were like, wait, we're doing what you're going to do what to me, you know? And it's like, not that everybody needs to be, you know, not like that, but it is right. cool to see the transformation because there's so much it's because of the lack of education and knowledge brings on this huge lack of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. They've had a partner who has said something to them about yeah. that area who knows nothing about that area. Oh, do you have an example? Yeah, that's so wild to me because like you know, there's out, a lot of not- talk about like, you know, like, like a meteor vagina or something. And, uh, you know, I've never had a partner that said anything because I think they know better than to say that to me. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, <laughs> speaking of fear mongering, yeah. um, She'll kill, but like kill so many people eyes. have have had partners comment on their vaginas. And I was like the fucking gall. Yeah, like, you, you should be so lucky to be in the presence of one. Shut the fuck up. Frankly, I like that. Um, but you know, but I, I grew up thinking, I, you know, I guess I don't know if every kid thinks this, but like I thought everyone's body looked like mine. Like I just thought every girl's vagina looked like my vagina because it's the one I had. It's that that kid mentality of like, oh, there's differences there, and there's so many graphics that I've I've seen like on Instagram of like drawings of the different uh, like what a vagina externally looks like, and it's so different. It really mm-hmm. is so so unique. It's like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good way to put it too. Actually, I like that. What are your thoughts on tampons? We talk a lot about tampons. I I feel like it's not a good idea, but we've been doing it for a while. So before I even <laughs> researched it, I was like, I I didn't use a tampon until I was like, how like 29? twenty nine? Yeah, like yeah, we she were fucking taught me because I I just like it wasn't like my mom didn't use tampons. She kind of like had a, like a like she was just not you know super into them, which was I think more normal to use pads like for the generation above us. Yeah. Um, and then when I just thought about it. Just logically, I was like, it doesn't feel like something that should be to corked plug, up. To plug up. I don't think you should be corking it. You should want to let it let it go, let it flow, you know? Yeah. Um, I use them n- now, but I try to like do it as as minimally as possible. And then I mean I love period underwear, just free bleed into that. But. So what say you guys about that? <laughs> so I it depends on where I'm at in my cycle. So I use a cup usually day one and two, cause that's when I'm bleeding yeah, heavier. Nice. Yeah. And that, but then the cup for me, and this is what I tell people, cause we got lots of questions on the menstrual cups. It really is a personal preference and there's so many different ones out there. And depending on, um, if you've had babies, if you've not had babies, your cervix may be different positions or where you're at in your cycle. Like I said, whereas like, if I'm not bleeding normal, it's now just getting light or spotting actually cups are very uncomfortable for me. So that's when I use a tampon or a pad of some sorts or a liner. Um, but then I have other patients that use the cup the whole time. They're like, I literally don't have any kind of cotton menstrual products in my house and haven't had one for five years. So, which is great, which is great. But that wasn't, that's not for me. 
Yeah, people love this cup, and we just have been having a real hard time I getting behind this cup. Man, I had an old roommate that would boil it in my <laughs> spaghetti pot, and I'm like, you bitch. Yeah, um, yeah. That's rude, okay? Yeah, yeah no. Um, Don't do a that. separate pot for your diva cup. Jesus. Um, but yeah, the, taking it out, taking that cup out, how do you not, how does you not look like Carrie everywhere? It's not as scary as it sounds. The first couple of times, it's a little messy. It is. Like, cause you're yeah, everyone's it. told me so, they've like, gotten splashback. <laughs> What? Splashback. <laughs> Everyone's told me oh. they're the first couple of tries you'll get splashback. Your face is fucking. Yeah, I haven't had a splashback, but maybe doing it wrong. <laughs> I I couldn't get the sucker out without bearing down, and I had prolapse after the time I started having the cup, so uh-huh. I had a really hard time getting it out without creating dysfunction. Mm. Worse for me. You so, do you have vaginal prolapse? Uh, bladder prolapse. Yeah, Bla- comes out vaginally. So the bladder comes out of your vagina. It can come down into the vaginal canal. It says, it yes. says peekaboo. Yes. <laughs> it's me. Yep. Oh, boy. Bladder. Oh, that's 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 rectum. Um, oh God, pregnancy, man. I feel, oh, man, there's just so much. You, you talk a lot about C-sections. Um, do they, what, do they damage the pelvic floor? No. So, like, they're not cutting through the pelvic floor during a C-section. Regardless of how you deliver, like, your pelvic floor is hindered and changed with pregnancy, with the weight of the uterus and growing baby. With the C-sections, they're going through more like seven different layers of tissue. It's the nerves that are compromised that supply the the abdominal muscles and the pelvic floor. But what we see with more cesareans is that pelvic floor tends to turn more tight for supportive mechanism because lack of core support. So that pelvic floor goes nice and tight. You may be dealing with nerve issues like burning, itchy, Things coming out more of the clitoral area or to the lower abdomen um, that we've got to help with healing there. So it's more of, I mean, it's major abdominal surgery. It's a lot of healing that's taking place and we've got to be there to be supportive for our moms for it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the way women are treated when they're pregnant and have the baby and after the baby is all backwards. Yeah. Like the birth, the whole birth thing of giving birth, laying down. I'm like, what, how, what? Come on. That's not, it's, it's just illogical. Um, well, kind of, you know, childbirth is like kind of expected of women, but then no one cares what happens to the mom after. I mean, like, yeah, you don't even tell. And then she's left about to like dying during childbirth in America. And it's like, no, that happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. America's you, you kind see? of we're not great with all of that yet. Mm-hmm. No. And it's it's interesting. Like, I've heard a lot of women talk about like their their bodies just change so much after giving birth, which you, makes total sense. You A human was created in there and then a human came out of there. That's that's insane that's amazing um but uh do you do you see a lot of uh, moms postpartum just like trying to come to terms with how like what are the major differences in your body i could kind of guess but i'm uh, you guys know better uh after you give birth i mean i number one back to go back to what you were just saying like i think we are constantly fighting with uh, we as women after having babies are fighting with society on what we feel we need to be at i guess like where we need to be at healing process. Like I need to be back in my skinny jeans. I need to be doing X, Y, Z. I need to be super mom where deep down your body's just had major abdominal surgery or just birthed the baby. And you had it vaginally repaired because you tore your vagina. And now we're expecting you to cook an hour and a half meal. Like that's really hard on those muscles. We just took a course this weekend and learned like the organs heal so much faster than the muscular tissue. So the organs, like the uterus is going to probably be fully healed by like the two week mark, but the muscle tissue takes so much longer to heal out. Yeah. Sorry. I I got distracted. And I mean, some of the things to answer the question about like what we see postpartum is 
yes, we're helping these moms get back to it. But a lot of times to Amanda's point is we're pumping the brakes. Like, no, you don't need to go and run three miles. You are four weeks oh postpartum. God. No, you do not. Need oh my to God. Four Peloton. weeks. Yeah. No, I mean, you would be shocked. I mean, well, the Midwest is also different. That's different. It's I feel like that's more indicative of America is 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 the Midwest, like how uh, like getting married a little bit younger than in the cities. And then also like having these ideas of femininity and what a woman should be and what a wife should be and what a mom should be is more archaic in the Midwest, it seems. Yes. And especially our type A people and type A pelvic floors. They're the ones that are like, well, yeah, I I put my baby. I strapped my baby on day three postpartum and we walked for an hour because I missed it. And And I had to walk the dog. And I'm like, what? What? What is going on? What what are we talking about right now? And that's, I think, one of the biggest things postpartum is we are the pump your brakes in some regard people, not all the time, but that is something that these women are not getting from other providers. They either get this like, all right, your vagina looks good at your six week checkup, go ahead and go on. But a lot of times, yes, it may look good. Like this, they don't have sutures in anymore or their C-section incision is, is healed. But then when we go to test them on certain things, they're like, well, yeah, I have pressure in my vagina every time I squat down and pick my baby up. Or they have oh. terrible stability and there's no way in hell they should be out running or walking 45 minutes yet if you know, after so many minutes of walking in here, trying to do a single leg squat, like shit hits the fan. Cause it's not stable at all. And they're wobbly everywhere. You know, there's so many ways that we have to, we have to accomplish certain skills first before we can put them into faster action. And I think that's a lot of showing these ladies too, like, okay, it's great that we want to do this, but these are the things that we should be starting with first and right. build up the strength and stamina and endurance there to then progress and lead you on to here instead of doing that at six weeks, like just be, we're like the people that bridge the gap and we, people should be seeing pelvic floor PTs for that. Like your doctor's looking at your incisions. We're the ones looking at the muscles in the skeletal system. So we need to help women kind of guide them back to their boot camps and whatever else they're wanting to do. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, if you, if they, and and educating them on what's actually happening inside of your body, what you can't see right now, what's actually happening they if they don't know that the muscle takes so much longer to rebuild and so what happens is when you stress out a, a muscle that's torn this is what can happen it's like oh okay i'm not going to think about a walk for a while then and just focus my energy on nourishing myself and being gentle with myself yeah and reminding them like okay you have a colicky baby you're not sleeping so your cortisol levels are way spiked and the rest of your hormones like they could care less if they want to heal tissue right now or if you want to go for a walk you need sleep to help replenish your system and so often they just, they almost need to hear that as like a, oh, it's okay for me. To I'm do allowed that. to sleep. Yeah. Yes. I'm allowed Especially to have women someone and like, over and help me. You know, also maybe send a note home to their husbands and be like, hey, work, chip, do, do pitch more. Pitch in a little more. <laughs> do um, better. Is there, do you see a, a large difference, you know, with like for someone postpartum in their 20s as opposed to someone in like their late 30s, early four, 40s as far, far as like the healing process? You know, I have no interest in having kids, but for example, I'm 36. So if I had a child today, it would be a geriatric pregnancy. And obviously there's additional risks involved, but like, does that include pelvic floor risk? That's a really good question. Um, I would say, I feel like this waivers more with how many pregnancies and deliveries you've had rather than age, because I've had patients in, like I have someone who is 42 right now. She had her first baby at 40. She rocked it. She did great. And you know, to her too, but she was like, I'm a geriatric pregnancy. I have all these other things going on, not 
pertaining really to like, but I'm nervous that I'm going to have all these issues during my pregnancy. And she prepped herself super well. She took care of her body. She wasn't like an Olympic weightlifter, but she wasn't a couch potato. She had really great nutrition and she did amazing. Whereas I have women that come in here who are 22 and they don't do so well because they're not, they didn't prep their bodies correctly. Um, they didn't have the education. They didn't maybe ask the questions they should have. And they go to a, maybe a busy practice that just like is checking for the, okay, are you alive? Is baby alive? All right. See you in two weeks kind of thing. And not that that's, I'm not like putting shame on our healthcare system, but I kind of am. Yeah, you should. Um, it's, it's, it's a shameful healthcare system it is. to be honest. And because so it's, to it's, me, it's doctors. Yeah. And to me, age, I don't know if Amanda would agree with this, but to me, age is less of a factor. And I almost see it more with subsequent pregnancies and deliveries and education level, not per se in general education, but what's happening in your body. Absolutely. So you actually see improvement like with someone who has multiple pregnancies? Because it seems no, like that would be- No, I would say it's a little harder to rehab after well, multiple oh, pregnancies. Okay, that's so what instead I was of thinking, saying like yeah. a, a first time pregnant woman at 22 versus 36, I see less, you know, of a, of discrepancy, a discrepancy there. Whereas like, if that 36 year old has already had four babies, rehab is going to look different. Of course. Right, right. And do you, do you have a lot of male, you have male patients as well? We do, yeah. Do males, a man's pel- uh, pelvic floor affect his orgasm? Or his dick or his balls or really? Let's get oh. into that. <laughs> yeah. What's the yep. what? same what? pelvic floor? You know, genitalia is just slightly different. A few muscles are named differently. They don't have a vagina. We right. do our internal there exams with them rectally. Um, you do what? Yeah, we do our internal exams rectally. Good. Good. And then ha- that that's that's got to be very interesting because you know men have a treasure trove up their buttholes, uh, which is and it's always such a fun topic. To, I love talking about it with men, particularly straight men, because it, it a lot of times makes them uncomfortable. Um, do you have you experienced like why? What is the point of a rectal exam? To how does that test the pelvic floor? Is the same thing with the vagina? Same thing with the vagina. We've got to get in there and feel the tissue. Find again their type A and type B personalities. Yeah. Um, for some of them, we're not spending a ton of time on the prostate, but we can feel, you know, if we do need to have that referral back to the urologist, um, cause maybe they missed something that we found or like to double check it, but very, very similar to our female population. Um, wow. with that, there's some of my favorite patients, to be honest, I think they are the ones that when something's wrong with their junk, they get in and they want it fixed and they do their homework and they get out. They don't like to spend a lot of time here. They prioritize what? their penis, yeah, and women yeah, need to prioritize their vagina. And we're like, oh, right in now. six years, I'll go get it fixed. Well, we prioritize our them. face when we should be prioritizing <sighs> our pussy. Um, <laughs> what what would men? What do men come in for? Like in terms of uh, like penis related things, like what do erectile dysfunction or like yeah, what's yeah, happening? Like how yeah, I mean, everything that you can pretty much think of: pain, testicular pain. Really? Pain with orgasm, pain after orgasm, abdominal pain, tailbone pain, like cyclists. So these guys who are, oh, you know, or anybody yeah. who's really been sitting a lot in this last couple of years. Um, what, erectile, of is erectile dysfunction one of the? Yeah, it plays things? with the pelvic floor muscles and with the heart. So you've got to really check out, the heart? you know, how how well is your heart working? How well is oh, it pumping Jesus. versus how strong are your I muscles? I didn't know that. Down? Blood pumping, maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Do you find, do you find, you know, do you find like it's, it seems like there is a, a bit of at least um, these archaic views have seeped into how women view themselves. Have you noticed it with the, with the male patients? Like, do, are they in any way kind of not seeing the full picture because they're tied up in something that doesn't, that's besides the point kind of thing? 
I would say in my experience with my male patients, they're a little more forthcoming actually with being like, yeah, I, I can't have an erection. Whereas like, it may take me five visits to get my women male page or sorry, female patient to say that. Do you get what I'm saying? Really? So, yeah. Wow. And I don't, wow. I don't feel like there I've had any situations where I felt uncomfortable, like they're in there and it's the first thing I want to talk about. But when we ask these questions, they're really forthcoming about, it. they're like, yeah, it's not good. Or I haven't be. had one in X. I mean, usually they're like, 12 years, three days, 10 hours, one minute. like, you know, they, they <laughs> recognize the countdown the last time I came. Yeah. Wow. Right. And so, whereas women are like, oh, I'm just going to, I have too many other things to do. <sighs> Damn. We got to change that. Yeah. Yeah. That does suck. Yeah. <laughs> that does suck. What, do, um, can your pelvic, can a man um, working on his pelvic floor help him last longer? Does that have anything to do with itself? I know it's a lot of mental as well, but I would say yes, because that would be endurance of the muscle strength, depending on what's going down there, on down there. Good grief. Right, um, right, right. You know, so like if we're a lot of the ones that are coming into us, it's a lot of retraining to lengthen the muscles, kind of like on our female population, like learn to let that elevator come all the way back down because your pain is being caused from tension down there. So if we can start to build up that stamina of maybe the muscles not wanting to creep up and tighten as quickly, that I would assume would get them to where they could go longer. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. How did you get into this line of work? Like it's, it seems like that's, you don't, uh, you don't, I, unless you, you set out to be a pelvic floor PT, it doesn't seem like that. No, I didn't know it was a thing until I was having pain with sex and while in PT school, while in physical therapy school, and then found out it was a thing. I was told to actually to go drink a couple bottles or glasses of wine to help me with sex. That <laughs> America, didn't help. Just down it with alcohol. That's like when I yeah. had acne and they were like, go sit in the sun. I was like, oh, that. <laughs> That feels like not, that feels like not the answer. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how oh I got God. into it. And uh, I mean, in PT school, we, I guess probably curriculum has changed, but for the most part, we don't really learn a lot about the pelvic floor. You learn the anatomy. So like, you know, where the muscles are, what they do, but not how to treat it. But even in gross anatomy, like when you're, you have spots that are pinned on your cadavers during school. We dissect human bodies. That's yeah. what yeah. Right. Right. Hell we, yeah. Like we didn't have the clitoris on my exam. We didn't have the penis on the exam. Things were kind of tossed off to the side. You tried to avoid was it, it and you went for the, but it was on the cadaver though, right? Yes. Okay. They like, like removed the clit. It. <laughs> like, it's like they treated the cadaver like a Ken doll. Like no, we just, had to remove the clip before we could normal. have it in class. Yeah. No, it just like, you <laughs> Even have, death, like, the, the leg, you know, part pinned, but the clitoris wasn't pinned. Why not? Wow. Like, clitor the clitoris apparently wasn't in anatomy textbooks until like 2016 or 2017. That makes all what? the sense in the world when you when you're a straight woman who has sex with men. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I was in grad school and I graduated in 2011. So like I Damn. missed out. That's not in my anatomy book. The medical industry is so is, is a lot of things that are very bad, but one of them is is so it's very sexist, like very like in terms of like trials and stuff like women won't get tested on a certain medication because of her hormones. But I'm like, men have hormones, too. Like also half the population is women. What the fuck? We need to know how it interacts differently with the male and female hormones. It's so fucking backwards. It's infuriating. Yeah, oh. definitely. That's how I should do like a trick, a trick question cadaver for the men. It's like we remove Where's the clip, the but then ask them to find, find it. it. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. It's not fair. So many people would fail. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's right here. It's the urethra. I know it. <laughs> oh my God. That um, that, and then do you, do you notice there's like, um, do people, uh, how, how is the communication, like sexual communication between partners when you see somebody who's like with, has a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or boyfriend, like, do you, do you talk about that? Like their communication in, in the bedroom? What does that look like? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, that, that's something that comes up. I wouldn't say like one of the first appointments, but until we get through some like the basic, you know, anatomical issues that are going on, then that's when I'm like trying to kind of fish out what their relationship looks like. And there's a lot that we can do as far as like facilitating what questions to ask their partners or like what their accelerators are, you know, breaks are all of those kinds of things. And there's resources like the five love languages and whatnot that will encourage them come as you are. That book is great. Like that kind of stuff. Um, but there are some that it's, uh, we've seen some really interesting couple dynamics in our clinic that we, um, what can you give us an overview of some of the couple dynamics you've experienced? Well, I'm thinking one that comes to mind that was when I say interesting, it's just where I felt like I did everything I could for her as far as musculoskeletally, her pelvic floor. And one was, she said, if I don't get better, my husband's divorcing me. And he said, I get, I have five weeks or six weeks or whatever, what? because she's dealt with this. Pain. Oh, she's seen patients like that too. Mm-hmm. And five so weeks. that's, that's really time. Hard. I'm going to leave you because you're in pain and because can't I can't, he couldn't have sex with yeah. fuck. Yeah. Cause it was so painful. And so he said, and so then as a provider, you feel like, Oh my God, I have this ultimatum and I have this timeline and it, the healing doesn't always marriage. work. Yeah. And linear, you can't be like, right? your husband's a cunt. Like, yeah. I would take yeah. longer on purpose so that he would divorce her and her life exactly. would get better. Yeah, right. See, that's right. Why we're not but those are things like talk about amazing. interesting bedside manner. Like, yeah, of course we have different feelings personally than we do as a provider. And we have to share a lot of those things personally that yeah. we feel, um, because I've known to like say maybe too much and I haven't, I don't think I've pissed anybody <laughs> off too much, but I know I've probably put, you know, maybe a little too much out there that has crossed. I've took my PT hat, we hat our off, hats off a lot. And then I put on my real should. Morgan hat and I'm like, no, you, you shouldn't do that. Or he, he needs to go, you know? And then yeah, it's like, right. I don't yeah. know. That's tricky. What else? What other types of dynamics? Like that's you know, we, we like to invite the partners to come into the clinic with them again, maybe not first visit, but at some point we're really encouraging them to come in. Cause I want them to realize this is a real thing. I want them to have a better understanding of what's going on. Sometimes I, most often I have them glove up. I want you to actually feel this with your hands, feel the difference between the tissue. Can you feel that? Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. No wonder she's in pain. Exactly. So that's been very helpful in our um, V-Day method group that we've got going on for our public pain patients or in clients online. We encourage them to watch the videos with their partners, have their partners come on on the Zoom calls with us. So depending on what type of relationship they're in, again, everybody could use a little bit more knowledge with this whole area. And that seems to be very helpful. We're referring them out a lot to counselors and therapists too, letting them kind of handle the relationship portion of it because that's out of our scope although we get a lot of it um but well also even if they don't understand i think like maybe you know a lot of men would be like i just don't want to watch these videos anymore so maybe i'll stop complaining that my wife isn't having sex with me (laughs) there's different ways you can go about it there's different (laughs) solutions to these issues yeah i think so much like people think our society is such like an intercourse driven society and there's so much more that can happen outside of that yeah especially if penetration's uncomfortable hello, let's go back to that clitoris. Like it needs to be a clitoral stimulated society. That's where we really need to be getting more of that blood flow and circulation anyways, to help all that tissue again. And realizing like, that's not the one way ticket to a healthy relationship or a healthy you. We've got to really think outside the box of the tunnel. And trying to stress the importance too, because we have patients that will come in and they're like, well, yeah, I'm having pain with sex, but I don't really have a sex drive. I have no libido, but I I want to get better just so that my husband and I are okay. And it's like, that takes a lot of uh, layer peeling because like, 
hold on, wait, why don't you have a sex drive? Okay. Or is there a hormonal issue? Is there past trauma? Is there, you know, all these things that go into it. And it's like, we first have to understand why you don't actually want to be a part of this before you're just going to submissively be a part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. it is hard though. That Those are hard patients too, because they're, their goals are not their goals. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And they've lived their whole life with these walls up. And so yes. to have them come down is very, yes. that's a very, um, that's Those a very, fixes. yeah, yeah it's, a, Those it's, are hard. A, it's intricate dance. Do well, Okay, I just yeah, have no. a follow up question for that. For so for reasons why there's not that. So like right now I'm going like my father died last year and I I I'm found sorry. Her, it's okay. <laughs> so the grief is um like grief is makes it very hard for me to have sex drive. So obviously like there's a reason, you know, there. Um and there is like a fine line that you dance between like with like times when you like you're like I could have sex right now even though I'm not like enthusiastic about it, which feels fucked up to say, but like That's I how know you maintain a bond. I know me and I trust me and I and I know what what I can handle and what I can't and I have no problem saying no. So that's that's not an issue. But like is that ever something that you dealt with like and and how do you walk someone through like their libido coming back after something like significant that isn't a trauma and isn't like any anything having to do with the relationship that they're in? We'll see some of that and I'll let you chime in too, but um we'll see that even pop up during the internal exams. We'll hit something and it'll trigger some kind of emotion like that. So I'm thinking of a patient, like her grandfather had just passed. And as we would head over that portion of the pelvic floor, cause it holds emotion, she would just start bawling. And then she, we would talk about her grandpa and the funeral and maybe things didn't go as par as how it was supposed to be done or how they expected it. And we had to do a lot of working through that and realizing, okay, there were some negative things that happened and the grief that we need to be processing is really real. And we need to kind of go back and focus on some positive stuff. But when you feel that grief and that tightening and tensing up right here in the public floor, because this is why she was coming in was just this pain that was right inside her sits bone. And we couldn't figure out why. And then once we started having these realizations that it was going with the grief, she was like, okay, I now know what I need to do. I need to go help process this and work on. And we would just talk about it every time. And it went less and less and less pain, the more she was working through her grief and time had passed. And sometimes it's just letting people know like the time is really a big portion of it. Focusing all the positive memories on that time too could be really beneficial, but realizing start to pay attention to that pelvic floor. And if it's moving, how it's moving for you during the positive, the negative, happy, sad emotions, Mm -hmm. um, high stressful anxiety days, um, can really be important. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like a common email that we get, you know, whether it be grief or just like people who have clinical depression and like how, I don't want to say how long a partner is going to like stick with you through that because that's not like the wording, but it, but at a certain point, it's like, I do have, um, empathy for both parties because it's like, how right. long can you, it's a bond and what makes it different mm, from a friendship. Yeah. Like there is a certain time when it's like, not that you have to be like, get over it and fuck me. But like, there has to be some kind of a discussion or I don't want to say agreement, but it's like a really, those are, those a are goal. like one of the one, the most difficult um, emails I think that we have to answer because I don't know the answer myself. And I've certainly been in places where like, I don't have sex. I know I don't want to have sex. It has nothing to do with my partner, but also I want to stay in this relationship. I know that sex is part of it. Um, so how do I maintain this without making myself feel bad? You know, you never want to have sex that makes you feel bad. Communicating that as much as you can with your partner, I think is huge. 
huge. Yeah. And for you to say like, you're like, I have no problem saying no, there's a lot of people that don't. And so those are the ones I worry more about because then I'm like, wait, what are, what is our motive here? Like, are, do you really want to be a part? Are you ready for this? Like, have you, do you really understand what your feelings are towards any kind of sexual interaction with any kind of partner? Um, and I, everybody grieves very differently and everybody has different levels of grieving. And you, like we said, we'll see it so differently in the clinic. Like people will just kind of, we call it unwinding when like we touch an area of their body and then emotions just come out. And then a lot of times like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like they just are, they're like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And there's that, that just goes to show there really is that connection with your, your body and your mind and what's going yeah. on with all of that. And it could because be I was like, wondering, it's interesting that you can actually like feel it and like physically release it because it's like, you know, I'm in therapy. You do all the work you can. We're doing EMDR. I'm crying every fucking week. It's like, oh, OK, like, is there anything else we can do? Like at a certain point, it's just like I'm exhausting myself, but it's obviously like not done and like not even close to being done. So you go, is there like a light at the end of this tunnel at all? Movement is a big thing, too. Like and yeah. not just like, yeah, yeah, working out, going for walks, whatever. But like getting people to move and feel good about it and, and maybe include their partner or include or not include anybody and have that be your alone time. Yeah. But I tend to see my patients who are recently widows um, or miscarriages. We, miscarriages. We see a lot of that. And like, births. I'm going to give you something that you have to move, even if it's walking in target, I don't care. Like, but yeah. it's just, because these are the people that resort more to like potentially being more sedentary and not on purpose. It's just like, you're numb. And so that's, that's a big thing. And I'm not a lot of our doctors are not telling our patients to move. A lot of times they're like, well, here's this antidepressant or, uh, maybe go talk to a therapist, which are all okay things and appropriate for a lot of people. But I think there is that movement piece that miss, it, we're missing. Oh yeah. There's like a kind of like, like a TikTok that was going viral these past couple of weeks. And it was just like a girl begrudgingly going for a walk outside in the snow, like in very cold weather. And in the, the audio is like, I'm going on a, uh, a walk for my stupid, stupid mental health. Mental health. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, okay. And like, sometimes like there's been so many times over the past couple months that I've just literally had to like, like physically drag myself out of bed and like force myself. Like I have a backyard like doing this. Bitch. I have Come a dog, on. but I have a backyard in Manhattan. So it's like, uh, so I don't even have to walk my dog. Cause he has a big backyard to play in, but I've like forced myself to go out. Like my dog is the best way to get me out because like, even, no matter how miserable my life is at times, like I never want his life to be miserable. So like, I like force myself to do that. Or like I, I force myself to, join a second gym long story about locations in COVID but like I forced myself to get a second gym membership closer to my apartment and like I couldn't like because I just kept not like being able to go to the gym like I just didn't have it in me and I was like okay well you have to join today but you don't have to go today and then the next week I was like you have to go today and then I went and then I did feel better so and then it's like the next week you have to go two times so I think like you know, there is a there you have to walk this like tightrope of like being gentle with yourself, but also being like enough is a fucking enough. Like you got to get out of bed right now and you have to do something. You just have to because you're hurt. You're hurt in this healing. You're now hurting yourself. Yeah, I think the dog thing is amazing, too. That unconditional love. Are you joking? If anybody listening to this, I, if you have a dog, you know what I mean? And they really do. There are times I'm like, can I just wish that person had a dog? Like, yeah. Like even little things so much better. People don't get to experience unconditional love in their life a no. lot of the times. And so the only time they get that gift is a pet. 
And I let my friends, like I've, when I adopted my dog, I was like, oh, I have so many friends, especially because of our line of work that we're traveling a lot. And a lot of people want pets, but can't have them, can't afford them, whatever. Like I'll literally loan my dog out. Like so many of my friends have been like, oh, can, you know, Alfred spend the weekend with me? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. That was like part of, because I want like other people to know what like joy it brings to your life. Cause I, I'm like a crazy animal person. And I think people are like, like why and i'm like you just haven't like you haven't with, experienced you it. haven't met hung the out right with an animal, animal yet yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well a sex well, therapist yeah, yeah. We, we were probably on the same brainwave the sex therapist that we had spoken to she was like you have to do physical contact with something for 20 seconds so your partner a dog or anything to get the oxytocin to bump up which is that your sex hormone joy. yes and so I'm like, it really is crazy. Like if I come home from a lot of times, my husband's like, it's as if I'm like not here. I'm like, I don't really care to greet you. Actually. I just want to see Millie. Like, and I just want to <laughs> hug her out. I want her to lick my face. I'm going to let her jump on me. I don't care, but it's like yeah. my, I can have a, the worst day ever. And it does not matter when she's yeah. there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she said it was just like an orgasm. So it's like you are lending out orgasms to your friends. Yeah, it's euphoric. Yeah, and you talked about like, you know, widows a lot and and, and stuff like that. Um, When I worked at, I worked at a massage, uh, I worked at a spa for a while and like I really learned the value of human touch during that time because there were a couple clients who came in who were newly widowed and they were literally just going for that human touch because they weren't ready for that emotional connection yet. Um, And it just kind of reminded me as a human how important human touch is. I talked about it on the show during quarantine. Um, I was dating someone in a different state and then for part of it was single. And I wasn't like looking for some kind of quarantine hookup, but I I was like, oh, I I like not being around people. But there were points when I when I did have to go and pay for human touch. And it was so helpful, like just met this guy, you know, in my neighborhood. And I was like, oh, you're my like quarantine buddy. Like he had he didn't see my face for months. Like he he didn't know what I looked like because I had a mask on. So but it was so important. And I think people like might feel weird about like saying like I need human touch or like pay for human touch in any way that you can if you have to but it's important and that's a good point I'm gonna have to remember that I don't really think about that for our widowers because we're touching them but in a different like a massage area is definitely different ours is a little more clinical here and I'm definitely have to remember to refer nourishing caressing touch like yeah absolutely absolutely that's a great thought yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah, I find it very comforting. Do you uh, see patients come in um, who are experiencing domestic violence at all? Is that a topic? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, or uh, they come you... in with that as their past, even like sexual trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you um, address that? Oh man, <sighs> it's a, well, it's, it's I, and I wanted to bring it up because uh, we're recording the intro for the podcast that's coming out this week soon, and I have like a long like things to say about domestic violence because I was having a conversation with a woman whose friend is experiencing it. And I was just looking through our guys we fucked inbox uh, after I hung up with her and the amount like putting those search words in of like beat me uh, in quotes. And it is so common. There's there's a huge problem that has existed for a very long time. And finally, it's getting unveiled. Uh, oh, oh, it's starting to get it to be getting unveiled. So I really want to push the topic to talk about because I want everybody to know how tragically common it is. Our patients, we become really close with our patients. Um, and there's a lot of them that we talk to years later or they'll come back in and whatnot. So I'll say 
I feel like by the time we are hearing this from someone, we are just one of the only people to know. They're not telling other family members when they feel safe here. Right. Yeah. It's something that is kept secret. And I feel like that's one of the big reasons why it continues to happen. Sure. Yes. And then it's, you know, then my first question is like, how can I help you? You know, because it, my first thought is like, I'm like, I, you need to come home with me tonight. <laughs> like, right. Right. But obviously right. can't do that. And so, right. but it's, then, then they'll tell me what they're comfortable with. And I've had some that are like, um, I'm, I'm taking my own measures and precautions. And, and then that's the kind of our dance of like, where are we? Um, how do we help and what do we do? I yeah. would say I see, I've seen a lot more, um, emotional and verbal abuse and I have physical in my clinical, clinical experience so far, which I not one is better than the other, but right. it definitely well, talking about emotions different. living in your body, if you are being emotion verbally abused by the, the person who's supposed to love you, right. Then how is that not showing up in your pelvic floor or not showing up in your, the muscles in your neck or your, t- the tension? Like that's why a lot, when a lot of women will write us about, um, vaginismus i believe is like with the the pain uh and a lot of times they'll have like an abusive past and it's like that trauma is living there you gotta you gotta nurture yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely do you see do you see people having like um like emotional experiencing emotional abuse like in the in front of you yeah it like yeah at your practice because i would imagine like it's a 10 obviously it's a tense situation when you know no one's having sex um so we had on our questionnaire is, have you ever been in, um, in an emotional or physical. physical abuse relationship or in any kind of incident? And I am shocked at how many people will put no. And then, say it. then they say it in the clinic, or I've even triggered people. And before we do an exam, I say, is there anything I need to know that? So I don't trigger you. And they'll say no. And then we'll start the exam and depending on where I like press or whatnot, I've had people come unglued and I, and then I'm really thrown off. Cause I'm like, Whoa, hold on. What happened? Sure. And it's, and that and goes to show you, this you have memory. three times to tell me in three different ways. And you still yeah. didn't. Right. And it's not, I'm not like faulting these people. Cause that just shows you how, but it's like, no, well, the yeah, shame, if you just... bury that under the rug and bury it and bury it and bury it oh, and bury it, you absolutely. can convince yourself that it's not happening or you can convince yourself that that is what love is or my relationship is healthy. And so you yes. go through the motions and then, then you, you know, the body touched. keeps the score is one of my favorite books about how pain lives yes. in the body. When you are f- physically moving uh, and manipulating a muscle that you can't run from that. You can't mm-hmm. hide from no. that. So it's like, it, I imagine it, it, cool. if they're yeah. getting triggered during these exams, I wonder if that's a release for them in a way. I don't know. It's hard. I've, I had one recently that was, um, it was more due to, it was a miscarriage actually. So not an abuse from someone else, but it was a trauma incident. And, and again, she like, and she was apologetic and I'm sorry, I didn't think this would happen. And it's like, you never need to apologize, but to your point, the body does keep the score. And when we see these patients who have been in abuse situations, um, I feel like I've seen a lot of them hide it until they can't anymore. They can't. Yeah. You can't run from it. Yeah. Has it ever happened in front of you? Like, cause I know you say sometimes you ask the partners to come in together. I've, I've never seen something physically. You do see dynamics, verbal dynamic, dynamic, yeah. that yeah. you're like, Oh, that makes so much sense. But yeah. happy. <laughs> that's why you won't come probably ever with this person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or we've had thinking. it where, you know, they have different relationships too. So maybe maybe it's fine with their spouse, but maybe they've got another relationship on the side and maybe they're not feeling the same feelings for one or the other. And so you, or maybe one of them is abusive. Like you, you really start to realize it's not just 
black and white, like we thought, you know, things were in life. It's very multicolorful and there's a lot of different avenues that can really go into each type of emotion and abuse, whether that person's being emotionally, that one's physically like there, it's just, it's very complex. (laughs) Yeah. Humanity, (laughs) man, being human. What a time, what an intricate level of sort. Like everybody's, everybody is made up of every second from the moment they came out of their mother's womb to, to now, that's what makes up who they are and they carry it in different ways and they stick, cling to certain things, certain memories in the past and and for different reasons. And it's wild. You really get the scope. Um, Where can people find you? Uh, I know you have, you have your physical clinic, but then like, please promote like your classes, your social media, like can people come to you for advice? Like what, what do you offer? Yeah, we've got our clinic in Kansas City, Missouri, Empower Your Pelvis. Uh, we're online on Instagram at empower.your.pelvis, TikTok, Empower Your Pelvis. Um, on our website are a whole bunch of programs that we do. But then if you follow us on social media, we've been doing challenges um, every month to every other month, depending on what people are wanting. So like our painless sex one um, and pain trouble with orgasms. I had what the last one we did was like September. And mm-hmm. then we were, we did what to get people ready for Valentine's day. So that one's probably once a quarter, um, but it's a full class and it's probably our most vocal mm-hmm. and it's incredible. It's our favorite, probably it's my favorite one to do um, besides our C-section one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating how the pandemic you know, it has its ups and downs, but the online portion has just been incredible. It's connected us with so many people, not just um, in the States, but internationally as well. And to really start to see how other cultures and other countries look at things is just mind blowing how some are ahead and then we're behind. And it, it's really cool um, to be able to help so many people and create a community. These women, and at least in our challenges, we've done like pregnancy, C-section, pain with sex and We've had uh, male partners maybe join on them, but to create communities, because there's so many times they're like, oh, I would have never asked that. But yeah, that does happen. And that's, I think, one of my favorite parts is to see them learn from each other. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. Thank you for doing such Thank wonderful you work. We appreciate so much. it yeah. very much. Thank you. You are directly making the world a better happiness. place. Thank you. Yes. This has been <laughs> Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Guys We Fucked is presented by Luminary, created and hosted by Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. Editing and music coordination by Mike Coscarelli. Theme song by Rob Patterson and Jake Cozen. Suck my wet ass pussy. (laughs) Christina said to cut that before, but now it's in there. Yeah, let's keep it. Who cares?
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. 